Welcome to Business Can Be Better. This is the podcast that helps businesses become even better businesses. I'm one of the co-hosts, Lane Anderson. I own a marketing company called London Road Media. And I'm Kelly Ray Tamaki, founder and owner of TMH Business Coaching and Consulting. All right, we're live for episode number 23 of Business Can Be Better. Um, We're here for episode 23. We're going to talk about knowing your market and why, if you don't know your market, that's a a pretty certain path to having some difficulty in business. Yeah. It's a good way to have an empty store or no clients or something. Cash flow problems for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So knowing your market is what we're going to talk about. But we're here for episode 23. What's new with Callie Ray though? 23. I know. So that means we've been doing this half a year, right? Because we did miss three weeks. Oh yeah. We missed a few. Yeah. What's new in Kelly Ray's world? Well, I was just kind of telling you before we turned the camera on, I've really started to realize lately, especially when I hang out with people like you, and then one of my clients I was talking to today, people who seem very secure in who they are and not too concerned with like haters or people who have opinions that aren't Mm -hmm. that nice. But I've just sort of realized this week, like, I let it affect me so much if someone has like a negative opinion, even if someone had a negative opinion of the podcast. And I really need to toughen up, you know, because Mm -hmm. actually I got an email today from Thinkific. Okay. Saying a learner reviewed you on Thinkific. And I was like, oh, really? Oh. And it was a really nice message, but then it was like zero out of five stars. I was like, what? A nice message with a zero out of five? Okay. So I, I that sounds like a mistake. It was one of my clients. I messaged her. I was like, that's a little harsh. But <laughs> but like even stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. the more you do, the bigger audience you get, like the yes, more criticism you get. The more public get. you get. Yeah. And so I just really am I'm trying to find my way to a balance of still being that person that I am who really, really loves helping other people be happy, right. especially business owners, but also not really giving a hoot if people aren't, if I'm not their cup of tea. Right. See, even saying that doesn't feel very nice. Really? Oh, we, yeah. I don't know how you work on that, but I think it's a pretty important thing. Well, it's been a bit of osmosis from you okay. and some of my other friends. Maybe that's a topic for I'm another like, tell podcast. tell me how you don't care again. Yeah. How? <laughs> that would be cool, The actually. art of not giving a... Hoot. Hoot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, next week. <laughs> okay. What's new with you? What's new with me? Ask. You could just tell people, you know. I feel like I should be prompted. What is new with you? What my is friend? new with me? Um, what's new is um, it's not a lot, honestly. It's like it's week four of a new year, so it's just it's just grind. It's just lots of new stuff happening, lots of new clients this month already. Starting to take steps into like we were talking about getting into actual intentional prospecting because we've been so inbound for since we started just people come to us because they heard about us and Mm -hmm. we have a reputation but starting to develop some weekly tasks for myself and daily tasks to work on actually going out and finding people finding an audience or getting appointments with the people I would like to meet with so that's what's new is I'm shifting kind of my own role in my own company use a pen use my active campaign pen i need to make a note for you you can write all over this somebody asked me about you today and you need to remember it okay this is how you manage ass is short for association okay follow up this is how you manage the entrepreneur brain when things (laughs) pop in you have to like get it out so that you can look at it later or a notebook and not be on the back of your mind while you're trying to talk about other things yeah absolutely yeah i do that a lot yeah, that's all that's new. Uh, changing sure? my own role within my own company. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty big thing. 
That's huge. I'm re I'm like writing my own new job description for what I need to be doing. You know what? That's pretty cool. I remember realizing that I think kind of in university, but then really when I started running companies, mm-hmm. people just make their job descriptions up. Yeah. And when you're the boss, titles. you can just make up whatever it's hilarious. you want. I, I figured there was like a like a dictionary of job descriptions. Right. Know, and you had to day. pick from a menu. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's pretty cool. Right on. So let's talk about how to know your market. Do you, what Did you have something you want to jump in on? Or where do you want to start on this? Maybe I'll just tell the story about the Ooh, cupcakes. a story is a good way to start. Okay. So was it last night that I called you? Yes. And left me a voicemail that I still haven't checked. I don't oh, check my voicemail, so don't yeah, it's bother. A long one. I've left you like three in the last two days. I haven't you read, heard any listened of them? to any of them. Oh, <laughs> My friend Maddie has a very classy way on her, her voicemail. She says, or better yet, send me a text message. But then someone else I know is like, don't bother leaving a voicemail. I'm not going to listen to it. That would be my wife's. Her voicemail is like, don't bother leaving a voicemail. I'm not going to check it. That's you need hilarious. to text me. Oh, <laughs> Jocelyn, I love you. Uh, so I went to a uh, cupcake place in town. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. I don't know if that's what they would call themselves. The unnamed. It's a bakery. A yes. sweets like yes. treats kind of bakery not like a bread and muffins bakery which was next door which i went to and they also had vegan bread it was mm. like the most sinful dinner ever last night but anyways so i popped in there which was very far south and asked them about if their business had really changed much since uh a similar business had closed downtown so i don't know how far away is that like 20 kilometers no terrible at distance like five no not even definitely close. not more than 10 there's no way it's more than i'm 10. gonna find the answer to it's this. fine i'm way closer than you <laughs> so anyways uh the the employee who obviously doesn't probably study like their market, market research trends, yeah, right. trends that sort of thing she was like oh my goodness yes it's been crazy like we've been so much busier since they closed and i was like hmm and then it just started getting me thinking because we we're going to talk about email etiquette right which i was kind of like that could be <laughs> boring. boring yeah um, plus, I'm not very good at it, so I was like, ah, Lane's maybe that was me. my underlying <laughs> point as a you way to did that to me though with the electronic communication versus okay, which I think I've really that was since. so many episodes ago Why though. Do you think we I can do so this many again. voicemails instead of emails. <laughs> now you want to the- shoot? I need to check those. Oh, okay, okay. So um, that made me think: how many people, not employees, but business owners, are running businesses without really thinking about the risks? Or like the the benefits that could come, yeah, the opportunities mm-hmm. of whether their competitors, you know, a new competitor comes in or how much of the market do they have? How much mm-hmm. do they need? How much of the market do they need to hit their goals? Right. And so then I started thinking, oh my gosh, there's so many numbers that people should know. And so I think you really summed it up really well. You know, know your market. Know your market. So if, and the thing is for entrepreneurs and us visionaries, a lot of us like to speak in uh, descriptive words. Right. Stories. Big picture thinking. Vague But if you don't get down into the, I guess, the weeds and calculate the population, the percentage of that population who probably uses a product or service like yours, Mm -hmm. and what percentage of the total market you need to hit your goals, you don't even know if you should open your business, stay in business, if you need to steal people from a competitor, if you, you know... Yeah, so when I shared a link to this earlier today on LinkedIn to say that they sh- people should tune in, I wrote on this post saying, you know, have you ever seen a business open where you went, where you drove by it for the first time or heard about it for the, for the first time and just went, really, we need another one of those? Mm-hmm. That's what this is about. This is and in and in our city that would be frozen yogurt shops. <laughs> I think we're at peak frozen yogurt shops like three years ago. It was insane how many we had. There's no way that 
they could all last, which they didn't. Um, dollar stores. Juice places. Juice places, yeah. But gyms. We have a ridiculous amount of gyms. Anyone who wants we to open do. another new gym in town is ridiculous. There's no room for it unless you're going to do something that can Very take over different. market share. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's what I was talking about was, you know, you see these stores pops up, pop up where you're like, where, why do you think there's a gap? Or where there's no market for it, like... There is a store in town that opened um, a place that just did, like, just olive oil. Like, we're a pretty small city to have just an olive oil store. Right. So unless you're going to supplement that with being an amazing online source and you're, like, the olive oil online store and you're shipping everywhere and the brick-and-mortar storefront is, like, just part of your business, I can see that happening. But I don't know the business well enough and I don't know the people. But it just, to me, it's like, is there really a market? Like, did you run the numbers to figure out if this is actually going to work? Is it a franchise? No, it wasn't. Is it organic? I don't process most of it I'm sure probably is yeah I can't even imagine but that's the thing though like there are some amazing bankers out there who demand actual legitimate business plans that have real market research in them but there are also some people out there who need to hit their quotas for business loans you know and we talked a lot about improving the success rate of Canadian businesses Mm -hmm. you and I when we were working on that last campaign and it's not enough to like sell my online courses or coach my people I think there needs to be like a fundamental shift in business license applications. Right. Like, have you done your market research? Do you know it will work? How do you know it will work? Like on actual numbers. Yeah. And not past numbers. I think that's I have so many points written down for today. But uh, that was one big one. It's like, if you just look at the past mm-hmm. to predict the future. Right. You're wrong, <laughs> especially with all the changes now with online shopping yeah. and stuff, right? Right. So you got to take into can account... use it to inform your projections, but yeah, it's got to have a a place in your in your projections. But I mean, one of my clients tonight was messaging me, and <laughs> I don't know if she's gonna listen to this, probably, but it was funny because I could tell she was annoyed. It was like probably eight emails in ten minutes because right. she was getting through this part of her uh, marketing plan I needed her to do mm-hmm. before we do strategic planning session, and she's like, "Well." I can't find any information on this, this, or this. So here's what I got. And it's basically, you know, a number in North America. Right. And then I was like, okay, we'll keep digging. And then she's like, okay, now I found this. This percentage of people are likely to buy this. Right. Okay, great. And how much are they likely to spend on average? Mm-hmm. How many times a year are they likely to buy? And people, when I try to talk them through this process, you still haven't cleaned your screens? <laughs> I don't use Lane. this computer. Sorry. Um, Squirrel. <laughs> yes. They get so annoyed, and they're like, mm-hmm. can't I just ballpark it? Sure. Sure. You can ballpark it, yeah. but it's not a very good idea. And we'll ballpark whether you're profitable or not. <laughs> whether you get to pay, pay yourself yeah. or not. Yeah. No, I think, so I remember quite a few episodes ago we talked about, because I think a lot of this work should be happening before you ever start a business. Yes. Definitely. But if, if you've already started it. you have a business. Yeah. It's let, not too late. No, it's not too late. Better now than never. But I think this conversation is so useful for people who are looking at starting a business. And we talked, and I mentioned many episodes ago, about how there's kind of this Venn diagram of things that all mm. need to be in place for it to be a great business. Yeah. So I drew it because I thought that would be help for, help, more helpful for people. This is like the things. That is it gonna? It's not gonna focus. Oh man! It's not gonna focus. Okay. (laughs) There's three circles. No wonder we lost seventy-five percent of our viewers in the first three minutes. It's too bright. This is bush league. It is three circles, and we have things that we are really interested in, like passions. 
We have You're things, talking about the business owner's interest? Yeah. Okay. The business owner has things that they're interested in and passionate about. We have things that we are skilled in that we're going to be good at doing. And then we have things that there's some sort of market need for and there's, you know, you're going to be able to make some money at it. Like those three things all need to be in place. So if you have a business that just has, you just have an interest in it and you're good at it, but there's no market need, that's a hobby. Like you're not going to make a business out of it. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are at a yo-yo, like you love it and you're skilled at it. That's not a business. Like no one's going to pay you to do it in very, very extreme circumstances, maybe. But the other thing, like you could have a need and a skill but you have no interest in it and to me those are those businesses are just a grind like sure there's an opportunity but you're just not loving it i started one of those yeah so it's just skill and need and then if you have just need and interest but no skill then (laughs) i mean you probably have come across a good business idea if there's a need and and it's something that you're interested in but you're not the right person to do it because you need someone with the skill to do it so it's interest needs skill and where those things all overlap that's where you have a business opportunity for you and so i think to me what we're talking about today is the need circle figuring out is there a market need for this is there a is there a demand for it and that means does it usually means does it solve a problem like is it is someone asking for this because if they're not um then then is there really a need for it um also will they pay enough for it there might be a need but no one sees enough value in it you know there is a need for something like netflix but if you if it didn't grow to the scale it did i love how we say that now well i mean a need need and a want there there's a market demand for it i agree people need um But if it didn't scale big enough, then people aren't going to pay more than the like 12 bucks a month. So it's not, people aren't paying enough for it until it reaches a massive scale. But you might be in a, in a business where there is a market demand, but people just don't see enough value. They're not willing to pay for it. So that's not going to make it work either. And then also maybe they are willing to pay enough. Maybe there is a market demand, but is it already saturated? Like, is there room for you? That's the other thing. So all of those things have to be answered for you to know, oh yeah, no, there is room for me here. There, there, there is, it's feasible as far as the economics work out. I can make money at it and there is actually a demand for it. And if you can that's demonstrating the need. That's demonstrating knowing your market a bit. And that's yeah. the one part of the Venn diagram that has to be in place in addition to skill and interest. So I think I wrote down pretty similar points for like determining if, if there's a need okay. with a bit of different words. So I'm not going to rehash those. But before we move on to an, another point, I just want to kind of, I think a lot of people who listen to us want actionable tips. And okay. if they listen for like 20 minutes and we just talked about our opinions, they're like, well, that was useless. <laughs> okay. So I like to Actionable. try and inject those. So okay. do you want to quickly kind of sum up how they can calculate that? Like if they're out there and they're thinking, how do I estimate demand or how do I come up with what the market is? I don't, can't, I'm not a number. You're like, okay, you I love will. putting things in spreadsheets. I wouldn't. I'd be I like, did, no. I just didn't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead, but do I it. do have the, the formulas do here. It. <laughs> okay. So the easiest way I would say... If you're just looking at historical data, like on something like, oh man, I was trying to think of an example that wasn't being drastically affected by technology, but then I was going to say groceries. Okay. Everything is so affected by technology and moving to online shopping. Mm -hmm. We were talking about with the automatic refills on everything. Yep. Anyway, so basically right now I would say if you're thinking of opening a new business or you have an existing business and you want to figure out your total market. So the total market for your product in, let's say Lethbridge. If someone is just looking at Lethbridge, look at the population multiply it by the percentage of people who are likely to use your product or service Mm -hmm. 
And then if you want to look at like the total market for a year, let's say, multiply it by the average spend mm -hmm. times the average number of times in a year they'd purchased. Right. So let's say it's like $2 million. If your goals are to do a million dollars in sales, you need 50% of the market. Right. That's not very likely. <laughs> right. So if you're like, oh yeah, we're going to do $2 million in sales, blah, 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 and you haven't done this market calculation, right? you might want to come up with another product or service, complimentary product or service, mm -hmm. shut down your business, or look at a different market, which could be like an online market, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, when they come to me and they're like, I'm going to be like all over the world and do this one thing, I'm like, that's... Uh, to me, yeah. that's way, way riskier, way, way harder. And also, there's some really big players out there who, if they see you succeeding with mm -hmm. your, you know, with your small town business loan, they they might just be like, "We can do that better right. and cheaper," you know. So the market yeah. is it can be geographical or it can be well, it's got to be geographical. Or so people you want to serve. Sure. Yeah, and I think I think it's easy for people to overestimate what percentage of the market they're going to get. I mean, if you have anyone ever watch those Dragon's Den, people go in and be like, it's a $6 billion market, and if we just get 1%, we'll be this mad. And they're like, you're not going to get 1%. You're going to get 0.001%. Just number by the number of people there. Yeah. Like, if it's a $6 billion industry, how many competitors do you have? Yeah. If you all had an equal piece of the pie, what would that piece be? Mm -hmm. That's that, I would say that would be a quick... It was sure. equally divided, yeah. you know? Um, but also, yeah, we talked about what percentage of the market you need to hit your goals. I also wrote down what could another player or two or more do to your ability to survive, thrive, or hit your goals. So kind of the opposite way. Mm -hmm. If you're like, let's say you were one of the first 20 gyms in Lethbridge yeah. and everything was going well. Are you thinking about what if another gym opens? What if another right. franchise gym opens? What if a fit for less opens? Because that is one that... I think probably one of very few that was able to really shake up the As a have people entrance. switch yeah. because it was so low price. Right. And they can only do that because they had a, what is the other company that they're owned by? Um, like, Superstore. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, there's a bigger gym attached to it, I think. Right. Yeah. I, whatever they, the one is like that they put leader, in Superstore. Right? I don't know why, how their model works to me. It's that. It, they count on, and, and most gyms actually do, other than the high-end gyms. Most gyms model functions on... 33%. Intending on people to not show up. Yeah. And so that's how Fit for Less works is they make it so cheap that everyone can have a gym membership there and 2% of people actually show up at the gym. Yeah. Because <laughs> if everyone showed up, you would be shoulder to shoulder in that place. And also they don't staff it at all other than a few hours a day, I think. But, Which is scary considering where it's located. Yeah, but it's all um, key code or whatever yeah. to get in. So, But yeah, I don't know what their model is, but... Um, yeah, they were able to definitely shake up because they brought something new. They just brought cheap, cheap fitness. Yeah, and like that's a very rare, if that's going to be your differentiator, you better be very, very careful. You know, there's a lot, there's very mm -hmm. few companies in the world that can win on price. Yeah. You, it's not a good idea to have that be your differentiator. No. Um, Especially, I mean, a small business is never going to be able to do it. No. It's, it's almost always the bigger corporations that are able to do that with their power. Yeah. Um, what will market or market demand be in the future? So like, what is purchase motivation? Yeah. You know, what industry are we really in? How is technology affecting shopping behavior? So mm -hmm. even if right now you're like, oh, the other cupcake store closed. I'm yeah. like, I'm making so much money. Okay. But what is happening with online shopping or like in the industry, like 
is are people switching more to like frozen foods like mm-hmm. um drones are delivering like frozen fresh all sorts of different things yeah. you know within hours within minutes in some cases now like yeah if you're just kind of got your blinders on and you're like for right now in my town i'm doing well and you're not looking at the possible risks or the trends that are happening in your industry you're in big trouble like taxis when uber came mm-hmm. like um well to me the one i i always think of is people who are starting a career in bookkeeping and i'm like do you realize how short your career is going to be like this is going to be done by algorithms and artificial intelligence within the next decade like your career will not exist very soon those companies who are jumping onto that right great right oh there's one other thing I i knew someone who owned um a greenhouse who family business been around for decades and didn't embrace technology as fast as their competitors did and then found themselves and are now recently just out of business been around for decades and decades big family business and are now out of business because um they were a bit slower to adopt some of that stuff where it was still you know manual labor transplanting and seeding and doing all this stuff whereas everyone else had put things on conveyor belts with machines and things and it's just you have to see where an industry is going and i don't care how romantic you are about the way things used to be done or whatever what you know how you want it to be handcrafted or whatever there is sometimes roles for that in certain businesses but for the most part you just gotta acknowledge (laughs) the math like are you gonna be able to keep up i love how you phrase that i was trying to come up with a word but like i was thinking old school but if you what did we talk about last week with uh primary research or secondary research if you have data to prove that 67% of people surveyed want, uh, let's say, plants the old way. Sure. They're willing to pay for it. They don't care what Amazon comes up with or whoever's going to disrupt that industry. Okay, you have data to prove that there will still be a market. Right. Keep going. But if you're just like, nope, I'm staying in my old, you know, like it's like, it's like people, I don't think this is a thing anymore, but a few years ago, people who didn't think they needed an online presence. Right. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there is a need in small communities like ours where certain businesses can survive without them, but... But Google makes a you small... a listing if you don't make one. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, you're, you still have one. There's still one. something there, yeah, whether you manage it or not, or not. I mean, the example I think of would be clothing, where a lot of it has gone overseas uh, manufacturing, extremely cheap, um, disposable kind of fast clothing, as they call it, or whatever. Um, and that's become a problem and one of the biggest polluters on our planet. But there's still definitely a market for handmade or quality-made, um, paying your workers well to create this stuff. And there's still definitely a market of people who are willing to pay for things that are going to last, that are well-made. And I, I don't think that means, obviously, it doesn't mean that everyone needs to go to Chinese manufacturing and make it cheap just because that's where a lot of the industry is going. Yes, there's still a segment that's going to allow you to do things a different way, but you you, you need to be able to, to uh, identify that, that's, that that's there. Yeah. Because I, I remember reading a paper about this. Uh, it was something like 70% of millennials surveyed said that they would they they spend their money in places that are local, mm-hmm. responsibly sourced, ethically, etc. But that's right. not true. Only thirteen percent, I think it was, of us actually like when they looked at the actual numbers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us say that, but when push comes to shove, if there's something on sale, and people are like, I don't care where this was made, right? You I'll know? go so to like, the Gap sale. Reliable and get it for 12 data. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Gap, Absolutely, a little far there. <laughs> Competitive analysis. 
that's another thing I think people don't do. Like, first of all, have you looked at the total market and then how many competitors there are? Even that one calculation. So say it's a $6 billion industry, you said, or let's say $6 billion market, but how many competitors? Uh-huh. Are there $6 billion? Because that's a dollar each. You know, so that would be the first thing I would do. But also in your market, especially if we're talking like Lethbridge and area or your town and area, you can Google and find out who the competitors are. Yeah. And we really like I love doing that spreadsheet we talk about where we put, you know, your company and all your competitors and then the characteristics that matter to your clients across the top. Right. Come up with a a quantitative scale. Rate people using actual numbers mm-hmm. and try to see where you can stand out. Like quality of website, your yes. your review, average yes. reviews, your customer service, customer service, huge opportunity right now. Right, because so many people Google are trying ranking. to source cheap labor, cheap uh, uh, supplies, cheap whatever. But the customer experience right now is a huge opportunity for oh, almost enormously. every business. Yeah, if you focus on that customer experience, even like when we're talking about all, almost all shopping going online one day. People are still going to crave that experience more. Oh, yeah. You know, people want to go out and experience things, be treated a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your your business is one that like, I think of some convenience stores that have popped up, you know, in the older London Road area there. Mm-hmm. They have like the bars on the windows, like in the, and, and the P.E.K.K.A. roll shutters. Like, it's like <laughs> a very, it's like pretty much like, don't come in here unless you want right. cheap smokes, pretty much. <laughs> like, it's like really bad, yeah. you know? Right. Totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's great. Uh, Competitive analysis—that's what it is. Yeah, but do I—I I think we also need to um, allow for the idea that you don't have to have this big gap in the market to make room for you, because there is definitely room to come into a market. Because I think, especially in s- some communities like ours, um, there's an opportunity to, to go into a saturated market and just do things better because there's a pretty low bar across that whole industry of how people are doing things. Like I know a good friend of mine who's, you know, one of the top realtors in town became a realtor when this city had a ridiculous amount of realtors and everyone's like, what are you doing? You can't be a realtor. Do you know how many realtors we have? And he's like, I don't care. I'm going to do it better. Like look at how these guys are doing it. They're all, you know, and these are not his words. I'm, I'm, (laughs) these are uh, how I would describe it. But basically these are all people who are being complacent, who are kind of entitled, who are just like, I've been doing this a long time. This is why I have a success. And you come in and try things different and, and innovate and you can take over that. And another example, I remember sitting in, uh, it was a session that the Lethbridge Chamber of Commerce did and they had, um, the group that put together and created um, distilled the liquor store in town they came in and explained their process of developing their business plan and their brand and the kind of products they carry and the customer experience in the store and like how extremely well crafted that store was and they knew going into it because they did all this market research they're extremely good at this stuff um, they knew that Lethbridge has a ridiculous amount of liquor stores like we don't need another liquor store plus you're basically working with um, like a, it's a product that that is the same price no matter where you buy it. Like you can't, there's no room for adjusting on price. Like it's basically the same. So you're walking into a saturated market where you can't beat on price, um, but they just came in and tried a new brand. They're gonna have more interesting selection. The experience is gonna be different. It's really modeled to like the millennials who are gonna buy a different drink and a different bottle every time they go in because they wanna try variety. So there's always something weird that you wouldn't find somewhere else. and they came into a market that most people would say that's crazy why are you 
getting involved in that um, and have had success. So I think we need to allow for the idea that just because it's saturated, I mean, even today, like I'm right now, I'm constantly, I'm trying to think of like new businesses that I want to get into and down the road, like what I would want to start. And we were looking at just doing some research and Googling and looking around and we had this great idea and we did some Googling and then we found a company. We're like, oh, they're already doing it. Oh, too bad that they found it. And then it's like, well, it doesn't matter that one other company has taken this idea and ran with it and actually executed it. I mean, maybe we can do it better or there's room for both of us or something. It doesn't mean that it's just because it's there's people in that space doesn't mean you can't. There isn't also room for you as long as you bring something different. So coming from the other side of that coin... If I'm somebody who's kind of complacent and thinking like, oh, my sales are going so well, my business is growing every year, and I don't know that you and somebody else who are really smart about business are Googling and doing research and putting together a business plan to take a chunk of my market share, that you can't do that. You have to think of the risks and you have to, Mm -hmm. that's why I wanted to talk about competitive advantage tonight because you have to come up with something that is not easily imitated. Okay. It can't be price. Right. And it has to be something where there's a, a high barrier to entry, you know, either like yeah. the big corporations can, you know, put in a lot of money up front to start something. That's mm-hmm. that's where small local businesses can't really compete. Right. They, they don't have the huge capital investment. I mean, I know some businesses who have done it, but um, the reviews thing, I think, is an opportunity. But I think the absolute biggest thing that everyone could take away from tonight's podcast is you could win you could steal market share you could create new market share mm-hmm. which is way easier than trying to steal it if you just really really double down on customer service because people just aren't doing it right they're not they're not collecting data about how happy their customers are they're not one of my clients said this today he started his business in a time when he basically said you put up a shingle and you made a million dollars yeah because there was a huge need for it but that's not there's so many of them now that you have to do business well to stay yeah profitable there's not many industries where that ones will pop up for a very short window of time but there's people who are waiting for those opportunities and they'll quickly flood it i mean you look at when yeah when that became legalized it website companies yeah i mean even there's still i don't think it's as bad anymore but when social media first kind of Mm-hmm. finally people started to realize the power of it like so many people were just like i have a facebook account i have a facebook company yeah give me 800 dollars a month and i will post one time on your facebook like yeah it's... there's no barred entry in our industry at all anyone can say they're a marketing company and offer services so web development marketing digital marketing and there's tons out there who are one person freelancers there is no barrier to entry so you have got to have a differentiator it is saturated but there's also still room a huge need like that's yeah. the thing right it looks saturated but there's still room for people who it's actually not saturated know what they're with doing good things yeah like here's and here's the other thing too so just because you get a customer once doesn't mean you have captured them as part of your market share you know so um i can't i heard this explained once in a really good way they talked about okay so do you blow dry your hair do I? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. So you're a non-user mm-hmm. of blow dryers. Right. So blow the blow dryer market, let's say in Lethbridge, Alberta, right mm-hmm. now, there's probably a certain number of people who buy a new blow dryer every three years on average. Sure. And they yeah. spend an average of whatever amount of money because you don't blow dry your hair. But if all of a sudden we could create new users, we could create new market share through education, through mm-hmm. some cool social media stuff or online. Like if we were to educate you on the benefits of blow drying your hair and you're like, right. It's $20 every three years. I mean, I could blow dry my hair. Creating you as a new user, that's an option I think a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. I think they're very focused on stealing market Making share. Making the pie bigger. Yeah, make the pie bigger. Don't right. try to steal the other 
pie. That just sounds mean when you say it like that. <laughs> make anyways. your slice bigger. You don't yeah. make the slice bigger, you make the pie bigger. Yeah. And Absolutely. then uh, I think too, retention. So retention is a big... So if you're like, I got to stop talking about the cupcake company. I have to have a better example than that. <laughs> if you just think that people will keep coming to you because you're one of few in town or you're located in a convenient spot and you take your customers for granted and you mm-hmm. don't um, do surveys or you don't ask your customers how happy are you mm-hmm. and you don't work really hard to keep that retention number up as close to, to 100% as possible, you're going to be paying and working your butt off trying to get new market share, yeah. new customers, and just churning out customers trying to get new ones like it's just so stupid so just retain your customers <laughs> right i mean that would be one very basic thing that anybody could do keep your current yeah. customers happy i think when people um start thinking about their business and what they want to get into i think sometimes it's easy to forget that there is a finite amount of market that you can tap into so like last weekend when I went out for dinner with my daughter, we went to one restaurant and it was the new one. So I was like, oh, let's go try out the new restaurant and got there. And there's no way like you're not getting in without reservation, which, of course, I should have thought of that. <laughs> and so I should have planned it ahead of time. But I'm like, this place just opened and every single seat that is currently full would have been somewhere else tonight. Was and it so a place literally, that opened in a place that existed before? <laughs> yes, you know is what it I mean. very high up off the ground? It sure is. Okay. Um, and so amazing love it hope he's very successful because i know him um and hope wish him tons of success but every single bum and seat in that restaurant that night if he hadn't opened would have been in a different restaurant like it it is a pie and you're taking a piece i mean and and we market for a restaurant that before they existed um you know he and that's a big restaurant there's a lot of seats in there and everyone who goes to there would have been at somewhere else so yeah. it's you have to think that about the fact that it is there is a finite amount of market and you're either growing it or you're taking a piece from someone else and what why do you deserve it like what are you doing going to do to earn that right yeah. uh, what are you going to do to earn getting a piece of that because um you're definitely going to get some off the bat just in novelty yeah. you're like you're new and people are going to try you out but i mean that's not gonna that's not a lasting thing that's not sustainable so what are you going to do to earn that long term and i think that's something people really need to think about when they get into a business you know i have two sort of sides because i you know i talk about my failures as much as my successes mm-hmm. like i'm only good at things because i've been bad at things especially leadership but that company i told you we started basically on a whim because we had set up we did some cert. We did some research, and a company from Calgary was going to come down and do this company. Right. They didn't want to at the last second. We're like, oh, it's just sitting there. Let's do it. Right. But the barrier to entry was so low. We literally got beat by kids on Kijiji. Right. So close it down. Learn my lesson. Whatever. Um, but what I realize now that I didn't realize then, if we could have used amazing leadership to create a, a really cool culture. Mm-hmm. Where the people, and this is what the company in Calgary does, and it's amazing how they've grown. If your culture, if your team is happy and they love their jobs, they treat your customers awesome. Right. And that is your differentiator. Mm-hmm. The customer experience, that is your retention key. Right. That is something that is impossible to imitate, even by the big box stores. Walmart has the worst customers, like Sam Walton would turn over in his grave if, if he, he went into a Walmart was, yeah. right now. 
you know, I don't know if you, have you read his biography? No, but I know, yeah, I've heard the same that that's not what he intended. So I'm sure to they're cheap, but like yeah. I don't even like going in there. Not not because the staff is necessarily so bad, but the customers, like the culture of the store, the right vibe in there, the the people like leave their carts in the middle of parking spots. Like the whole scene is right bad. If we had amazing leadership in there, amazing, you know, supervisors, amazing team leads, amazing cashiers, everyone loved being at work. Right. You know, it would be a totally different environment. Mm-hmm. And I, I swear once a year I call my husband, I am never going to Walmart again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't for a while. Yeah. Then I, I probably only go in yeah. once a year too, but. It's bad. Yeah. No, so yeah. I think. I think. experience, I would say focus on that. And I was thinking when I was drawing this venn diagram thing that you couldn't see when i put it to the camera but when you look at this perfect the skill and interest and and the need when you look at when there's just need and skill and we said that's kind of like a grind like there's not the interest piece isn't there i think that's true for customer for employees too like if it's just they have a skill and you there's a need like you're going to pay them because they're doing something that's valuable to your business it's the same for them if the interest isn't there it's a grind and that's I mean, sometimes that word is romanticized about like, just grind it out and hustle and all these words and whatever, not, but grind not right. is not a situation you want yourself in. You don't want to be in a grind. <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> right. But just that whole word where you're just like, well, we're just grinding it out. And maybe no. I say that sometimes too. But Do you want to go to a store where the staff are like, come on in, we'll grind it out for you? <laughs> like, no. No. You want people excited to yes. serve you. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting my very important point. <laughs> Yes. So it's gone. Does it solve a problem? I think is one of the biggest things. Like when I think of olive oil store opening, I'm like, where Where was this? It doesn't exist anymore. Oh, okay. It was very, very short lived. Also, I think think that liquor store just got new owners. They did. Okay. Because I was in there last week and I was like, I said something and he's like, yeah, we just got new owners Mm -hmm. and a bunch of other things that he said, but. Yeah, I heard so, that from one of their employees yesterday as well. But that's the thing. That could be a good thing. They could have been like, mm-hmm. oh, we made so much money in a year. Let's flip it and make a, a ton of money. Yeah. Or it could have been like, ah, we want out of this game. Right. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's a mystery. Yeah. But your business does need to solve a problem. There needs to be. And that doesn't mean um, if, it, if you have an innovative new product, it doesn't mean that people are asking for that product, but they have a need in some other way. Like, so we have the business that we market for that is a the pet food subscription business, mm-hmm. right? So there is no need in the marketplace as far as people saying like, man, we could really use a pet food subscription service, but there is a need as far as people being like, I'm too busy. I mean, that's everyone's response to how are you doing is busy these days, which I try to avoid that word as much as possible because I hate it as a response. How are you well, busy? Well, you only work till noon, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, everyone is busy. Everyone doesn't have enough time. Everyone doesn't want to have to leave the house when the weather's gross. Whatever. So there's a need. It's heavy. But it's but they don't know they don't know that the solution is the one that you're going to provide them. But there is a need there. So it doesn't mean that people have to be asking for the thing you're asking for. I mean, before a smartphone came out, no one was saying like, "Boy, we could sure use a phone that I could touch and swipe and have apps and do things on." But there was a need as far as ease of communication um i don't know what else that solved when it was very very new having a camera in your pocket being able to communicate with people through other formats than voice and text all of that feeding your ego because everyone can be a celebrity now right that's kind of over now but at the beginning i so there's i still can't take a selfie Oh. Like Laura's like, take some pictures at the podcast. I'm like, I think I'm just a little bit too old. I think I missed that wave. <laughs> I 
Like, I don't. There I was can't. some line between your year of birth and my year of birth, which are very close to the same. There's yeah. something, just a division there. There's like, nope. I just, I can't. I can't take it. Well, I, th- I think it's just I look at it too much and then I'm like, I can't use yeah. this. But I, I really, really, really want to stress to people almost any industry that you're in, if you can do some research mm-hmm. and find that there is a need for better customer service or, or even a want for better customer service. Don't be cheap. Don't pay your staff minimum wage. Don't try to save money there. Attract good people. Have a positive culture. We talked about this at great length in one of the businesses I was in today. They're doing so well and they're making so much money that the focus has turned to profit, 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 you know? And so all of a sudden it's like all they talk about is numbers. Right. And I was like three years ago when I met you, what did you tell me? What did you do for your staff at Christmas? It was insane. They were Mm -hmm. barely making any money. They took their staff to Calgary in limos and gave them unlimited shopping. Shop for the day. It's <laughs> on us. I'm not even kidding. Wow. This was a standard thing. This is why I wanted to work with this person. Right. And yeah, so I we would went too. <laughs> on and on. And these people, they're not necessarily interested in the thing, but they love working at this place. Mm-hmm. But if you just go to focusing on the numbers or you're like, I can't afford to pay higher labor because minimum wage went up, you're, you're screwing up. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to save money on your people. Have happy people. Take care of your people. Work on your leadership. Right. Do research. Do surveys. Find out if your staff are happy. Find out if your customers are happy. And if they're not, make them happier. That's going to be yeah. nine out of ten times a place where you can kill it because your competition is trying to save money on wages. Right. And a competitive advantage doesn't always mean, well, definitely doesn't always mean price or location or convenience or quality of product or customer service. It can be how good your employees are that can be yes. your competitive advantage or um, lack of turnover yeah like exactly one of my clients has a i thought i want to say 25 person team now mm-hmm. their average tenure is 10 years wow and they're young people yeah because it's such a great place to work That's, and they appreciate their team yeah and they look at that versus a competitor who has to replace a high paid professional probably once every two years right minimum and training and that onboarding so is much money. so expensive. Recruiting, training, onboarding, and then some of them quit. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some, I think, there's some really sexy things out there that people are like, we're the best at this or we're the cheapest. Again, stupid idea. Don't try to be the cheapest. But like, we're the fastest. We're the highest quality. We're the whatever. But like, try to try to do your research. No, do your research. Don't be lazy. And look at that competitive advantage chart I was talking about. Right. You and all your competition characteristics important to your ideal clients how do you guys rate on each one where are you winning where could you win yeah you know even if all of you suck at customer service get be the best at customer service yeah i can't stress that enough it's customer service i really think that's a yeah the customer experience like our restaurant client which is in restaurants extreme high turnover as as an average across the industry and he retains his employees at a very very high rate like for so much longer than anyone else and that's good i mean the amount of money that saves you and then how how it just increases your quality i mean how good are you at your job in your first six months compared to two years in right like you're just gonna have so much better service just because of how long people have been there and they know your brand they know your menu they know your service they just know how to serve your customers in the best way possible that's that's just so 
important. Taking care of your employees as a differentiator, it might seem like this hidden thing that no one really sees, but it really does actually become something that people experience. And it's not always, like you said, yeah, definitely pay them well, but it doesn't That's always just always mean it. like pay no. them more. That doesn't make them great just employees. Don't pay the minimum wage. Ever, yeah, don't pay the ever. minimum wage, but increasing pay isn't the guaranteed path to happy customer or no, happy employees. Up to, they call it like a maintenance factor, right? Yeah. Do I, did I talk about this at the ATB seminar? Pay, like, till up till the level yes, where people, did, yeah. yeah. Like, pay is important to a, to a degree, mm-hmm. but trust in their leader, uh, an increase, one yeah. point increase on the uh, 1 to 10 scale of trust in their leader, if you go from a 6 to a 7, it's equal to a 40% raise in income. That's crazy. Just by them trusting you a bit more. Just be a better person. Be a better leader. Yeah. And I think, too, the the restaurant example comes to mind for me. I can see very clearly him versus another restaurant it's emotional maturity. It's long-term versus short-term thinking. It's knowing that maybe this month we're not going to make a quick buck mm-hmm. by paying minimum wage, but right. long-term we're going to win. And I think that that's another another thing people forget. If you're in business for the long-term, you can make much smarter, calmer, more mature decisions that will yeah. let you differentiate long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the reactive, quick right. fix is not going to work. So how do we find out if you're doing your market research, know your market, how do we know if there's opportunity in being the best employer in your market? I mean, how do you find that out? There's no, That's a great question. how do you get customer employee satisfaction numbers back from your comp- your future competitors? I would say like a, a correlation would be customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a business where I found a like, very high percentage of happy customers where the staff weren't happy. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. I've never seen like thrilled customer base with unhappy employees. So I think you could use that as like a secondary indicator. Yeah. You know, um, and, and people are like, well, how am I supposed to find that out? Well, the the amount of information that's available nowadays online, online reviews, you can go in mystery shop. Mm-hmm. You can go in like, let's say you're a massage place. You want to check out your competition. Just book a massage. Mm-hmm. You know, like today I went to Radiology Associates. That place. I am so impressed. I think I went there like. 20 years ago for an x-ray and it took so long that we booked almost my whole afternoon off today i was like oh here we go <laughs> right and i called there and i said how long is it going to take me and they're like what time is your appointment i'm like three they're like 305 i'm like yeah right she's like nope come in you get in bang boom Done. whatever word she said i was like okay still booked two hours off got there walked in the door 20 minutes early got in 15 minutes early the lady was so nice it was like perfectly well-oiled machine there must have been a hundred people in there mm-hmm. got me in changed x-rays out i was like in my car at 10 to 3 my appointment was supposed to be at 3 they got me in and out in five minutes wow with smiles with smiles <laughs> i was like this place <laughs> nice. is impressive yeah cool so i'm pretty sure if you hear me saying that if the average experience yeah. is that i'm pretty sure they're doing something right with leadership and i'm pretty sure their staff are happy yeah because otherwise staff are annoyed they're checking their cell phones they don't make you feel important you know mm-hmm. you know when you go into a store and you're like this person's on facebook they yeah. don't care what i buy so yeah. that's a good if you if you see that opportunity there you test everyone that could be your future competitor if you're looking at opening a business and you see unhappy discontent employees that might be the only differentiator you need and where's your little venn diagram here? right here so <laughs> this is a big thing i think if you don't love your business. And, and I asked someone that today because yeah. the, the really numbers focused example I was talking about, I'm like, do you still love what you do? I love what I do. And then we brought 
the leaders downstairs and they had a conversation about how much they loved what they do and how they could make the customers happy and I almost cried I was like after they left the room I was like I know this is super cheesy but this is the magic bring it back to this stop mm-hmm. talking about the numbers the numbers will come because yeah. that's the thing if you don't focus on the customer experience and having happy staff your numbers will suck and you will go out of business right the numbers come as a, a secondary yeah yeah you got it you have to love what you do mm-hmm. there has to be need for it and you have to be good at it agreed okay yeah that, that's pretty long isn't it i think yeah i think so but that's i mean the title of this, of this podcast is avoid failing business by knowing your market because i think if you don't do this stuff, if you don't know your market, if you don't know your competition, if you don't know how big the market is and how big of a share you can reasonably get, if you don't know whether or not there's even a need for what you're going to set up and sell, I mean, all of that is what leads to an empty store or no clients or whatever type of business you're in, whatever the bad news scenario looks like. That's what happens. If you don't know your market, um, you can't succeed. Unless you just get lucky. You just threw a dart at the dartboard and you landed in a spot where there was opportunity. But there isn't a lot of that. I mean, as I'm thinking um, all the time about, okay, what would be my next business if I had the time to start it? There isn't that many open areas where it's like, well, here's somewhere. Not Um, sustainably, right? Yeah. Unless you're flexible. And that's like when I do strategic planning with clients, one of my things is always like, how can you build in flexibility? Right. Because things will change absolutely they will always for sure yeah anyone who's running a business and is sitting on their heels is either going to be in for a rude awakening where they need to quickly respond or they just will be out of business before they even have the chance to yeah it is we it's unfortunate if people enjoyed being in business where it was just something they could just go to work and go home and enjoy their life and not have to like pour a lot of energy into but it's just not the way it is anymore things move so quickly that you you just can't treat it like a job that you go to and go home and show up again and then lock the next morning. Like you have to be thinking about what's next. How do we improve? What more can we do? How do we add more value? Yeah. You have to nonstop. And I have to say as somebody who like, I probably read four books a week. Every book I read, wow. I fold over the pages that I need to go back to for reference. Oh yeah. my gosh. Like I probably have a thousand pages a week that I'm like, Ugh. and I have thoughts constantly of, I better do that market research or I better do that thing or I better do this thing. Okay, if you do one thing a week from those books or one thing a week from this podcast or another podcast, Mm -hmm. one thing a week, that is so much better than most of your competition. Just work on your business. What's your quick pit? Quick, quick tip. Quick pit. Quick pit. Quick tip. Schedule time every week to work on your business. Okay. So know your market, know your competition, know the trends. Like the mm-hmm. one I will never forget is about um, how Henry Ford asked the people who owned the railroad if they wanted to invest in Ford. Right. And they said, we're not in the automobile industry. We're in the, the railroad industry. Right. But if they had realized that they were in the transportation industry, they wouldn't have lost everything. Okay. Hmm. And I think just from my experience, I'd add that that's the scale of how much you can work on your business instead of in of it instead of in it, definitely changes when you go from small to larger business. And I think for me, I heard that a lot, and I pulled out trying to work on too much too early. Because when you're small and I'm like a single operator or me and one other person, I'm in my business still 95% of the time. I yeah. have to be. You're pretty but, much still self-employed. Right. Yeah. So then now when we get to the scale we're at now and we're a team of six, now I'm on my business probably 
probably 40 percent of the time and 60 percent in awesome but that that's like that well. slides right like yeah. and people need to acknowledge that but you have to be on on the business at some point no matter what scale you're at even but, if in the beginning if you're stuck in it mm-hmm. add an hour sure work 51 hours instead of 50 yeah but you have to if you hadn't worked on it you wouldn't have grown yeah well there are some industries like you were talking about the cannabis industry i I went to a, a seminar at Tech Connect once, and there was like the whole room was filled with cannabis people who want to open cannabis stores. Right. And, and me. And you. <laughs> and I was like, oh my. And I guarantee all of them got a store opened. And right. it's all, they're all busy. But that's not sustainable. No. That will change and shift. Yeah. And some will go out of business, some yeah. will rise to the top. Sure. A franchise will come. My quick tip is two different ways that you have to test your market before you go into business. So this is for people who are not yet in business, but you need to figure out what your market looks like. And one is either, like you talked about, you can Google things and you can find some research, but just do primary research. Yeah. Like go out, there's easy ways, easy ways of doing it. There's Google surveys, you can fill out 10 questions, send it out to the world and get some responses. Like how many people of you out of you own pets? What's most yeah. important to you, price or brand or convenience or what is it? Like get some primary research and find this stuff out very in, in the context in which you'll operate. So within your province or city or whatever, do primary research. And the second option or, or do both ideally is I think it'd be really cool. And I haven't had the chance to do this for myself yet, but test by doing some crowdfunding. Like mm-hmm. there's ATB has booster campaigns in our province as their version of it, but there's other ones that are international, but it's a good way of getting market proof where you have all these people saying, yeah, I will pre-order this. Yes, I would love, I love this that. product or service. And then you get your first 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000 or whatever dollars worth of orders before you even open your doors to just prove that there's a need for this. And now you this fund those first orders. This is Best my next possible ever. business might get started through a crowdfunding awesome. campaign just to prove that there's a want and a need for it. You know, so I'm going to add one more quick thing because okay. I think most of our, you really need to clean this desk. Most <laughs> of our, uh, did I just ruin something by clicking on this? No, we're okay. good. Most of our listeners I think are already in business, but I love what you said about the before you go into business. It made me think of, okay, you're already in business. That's fine. Before you get a bigger line of credit. Sure. Before you get yeah, a loan, yeah, before yeah, yeah. you grow your team, before you buy a building, yeah. do the research to prove to yourself that your industry is still growing or that your market share can still grow or your, you can even increase prices rather than getting new people. Yeah. But your market, the, the amount of money that you can get, you can count on is going to cover you before you take that next risk. And it might confirm 95% of what you already believe about yourself, but there might be a really valuable 5% tweak in there where you're like, oh, Everything we're doing is we're just about there, but if just this tiny bit that we could optimize would really hit the market really well. In so, the olden yeah, days, for sure. like so many businesses, it's so sad to say, but so many businesses, when you peek behind the curtains, they're not successful, they're not profitable, they're staying in business to stay in business. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that. It's so stressful and risky and hard. <laughs> you should be making money. Right. So do the work. Don't you be should lazy. be making money. That yeah. is kind of the point of business. Yeah. This I was our longest Shut episode yet. Talking, Just yeah. turn it off. No, we're good. Thank you to everyone for watching yeah, episode for watching. 23. Are we changing things next week? 
Yeah. Possibly. It won't be as hot. It might be in a new setting, a new mm -hmm. backdrop that is not my mezzanine level of my office. Might, might be cleaner <laughs> and brighter. My dog might make appearances. So we might be back at Kelly Ray's we will be, next yeah. week. I we got will those be. Lights. Well, they're on their way. Okay. Come awesome. On Amazon. So, um, and then we might have room for guests and yes, stuff. Yes, we even. will. We'll yeah. see. Okay. Awesome. So well, that's it for this week, though. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Um, for the YouTube people or people who haven't discovered us on YouTube, the easiest way to find it is bit.ly slash better business podcast that's the good way of finding our channel subscribe watch live jump in the chat join us um or listen on wherever you listen to podcasts at the better or business can be better is what our podcast is called i'm lane anderson you can find me on twitter lane underscore anderson on instagram the real lane anderson and on linkedin where i'm doing daily vlogs so follow me over there Kim's still on Twitter too, so I'll stop fucking you about it. <laughs> yeah, every single week you're like, you're still like, on Twitter? Twitter? Every week. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, still I'm am. Kelly Ray Tamaki, and my company is TMH Business Coaching Consulting, and I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook for now. To <laughs> Facebook YouTube, for now. Also YouTube. The only ones that I can promise I'll still be on next week will be LinkedIn and YouTube. I'm not sure about <laughs> those other two.